The information in this broadcast is for educational purposes only and is not provided as a professional service, medical advice, or is it intended or implied to be a substitute for diagnosis or treatment. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from this broadcast with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician and other appropriate healthcare providers. Hi, I'm Pete Levine. Welcome to Noggins and Neurons, Stroke and TBI Recovery Simplified. I'm a clinical instructor and clinical researcher. I've co-authored dozens of scientific journal articles about brain injury recovery, and I'm also the author of the book, Stronger After Stroke. I'm Deborah Battistella, occupational therapist, creator of the OT's Guide to Mirror Therapy, and an OT educator. I have a lot of experience working with survivors. Most of my clinical practice has been in a certified stroke center. Pete and I are especially interested in talking about what rehab, neuroscience, and clinical research all have to say about the brain and recovery. But don't worry, our job is to make this stuff simple. We're here to make it so that everyone, clinicians, clinical students, caregivers, and most importantly, the survivor, understands what it takes to leverage their great neuroplastic brain for recovery. This podcast began with both Pete and I, two kindred souls with a passion for moving the recovery process forward. If you've started listening more recently, say since the beginning of 2022, you likely noticed that Pete is absent from conversations. This is because he had a rather unexpected and abrupt departure from this earthly plane. Pete's voice remains in the intro in reverence to and respect for his part of our joint vision for this project. Simply put, it wouldn't be where it is today, nor have a future without him. Now, on to another great conversation. And that's, he was just so entertaining to listen to and so goofy and just very much an outside of the box thinker. And, and what I loved about Pete is that he, he was so able to succinctly organize how to treat neuro. It's just, you know, those three principles that he kind of went over and mm-hmm. over and over. And it's like, yes, there's so many studies, there's so many things you can do, but keep it interesting. Make it, do it a billion times make sure it's meaningful that's like that's it that's like at the end of the day that's everything exactly that is it in a mm-hmm. nutshell in this episode i chat with doro and lynette from the neuro hub in Altamonte, florida before he left pete told me he wanted them to step in where he was leaving off For sure, those are some pretty big shoes to fill. Our conversation is all over the place, like old friends sitting around the table reminiscing about our dear friend and colleague. We discussed neurogems we learned from Pete and implications for practice, carrying on his legacy and some of our fears. We had moments of laughter and somber pauses as well. 
we wound the conversation down with some wisdom, trial and error, and thinking outside the box, all within clinical reasoning, of course. If you're wanting to support the podcast, consider getting the Noggins and Neurons All-Star Peak Trading Card for a $20 donation. The link for that is in the show notes. I have the cards in my possession and they're pretty cool. All cards come in a penny sleeve and a top loader the way you would package any valuable sports trading card. Now, Doro and Lynette. Enjoy. So gifted in that way. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. He was looking at my little notes. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so these are my biggest takeaways from, from learning from Pete in this course. There's so many more, but these are the ones that I literally wrote in my workshop notes. Save the penumbra, number one, under, underscored several times. No, but I found this, this quote because I was like, well, let's, if for those who don't know who might be listening, what the heck is the penumbra? So I found this, this quote from neurology.org and I just love it. It's the penumbra is the part of the brain that is sandwiched between brain regions committed to die and those that receive enough blood to communicate. So it's like right in between, right in that sweet spot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. Use tense for initial recovery. 1,200 minimum number of reps to be effective. Amen. Yeah. So one of the big things he kept saying is whatever you're doing in therapy is likely good. Just do a lot more of it. Just do a ton of it. Oh, yeah. And then in order to trigger neuroplasticity, you have to have someone fully engaged, something meaningful, salient, challenging, and repetitive. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... Those are the things I, I really take with me. And I felt confident going into neuro with those, those little tools in my toolkit from Pete. And that's, and then she met me. It was all over. When? And then you met me. No. And then I met you and I got to actually do all those things. And I was like, what? This is so amazing. I mean, I actually got into put, I got to put into practice the things that Peter had talked about that you wouldn't normally get to do in any other setting. It was like the perfect storm. Yes. yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Look, we're finishing each other's sentence once again. <laughs> Finish each other's sandwiches. Yes. <laughs> we do that too. LOL. <laughs> we do that too. So it's like somebody, um, made a comment in the noggins and neurons facebook group about pete and i being kindred spirits and i no stop no i'm sorry deb i have to stop you really quick these are doro's notes and she literally wrote kindred (gasps) no that same word i have to stop you i didn't mean to i'm terrible yeah one sentence that i wrote the word that comes to mind is kindred spirit when did you write that literally 10 minutes before the podcast five minutes ago Cause I was like, I don't even know what to talk about. I told Lynette, like, I don't feel, I don't, I feel like I really knew Pete yet. I don't know him. I can't speak about him yet. I knew him on a different level. Like I connected with him. Um, I just don't have a lot to say about him. So I just wrote down the word that comes to mind was kindred spirit. Isn't that mm-hmm. wild? Well, yeah, it is wild. <laughs> Yeah, I I think so when I was thinking about that just now, like, 
I feel like that's who we've attracted. I feel like that's what noggins and neurons is. It's a bunch of kindred spirits all connected together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That kind of stuff just like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it's so, so crazy good. that you said that. That very word. But it's so good. Uh-huh. But it's funny. It's it was like from the moment we met you and Pete. Yeah. It was just there was no no guard up, no trying to impress. Yeah, it was like instant connection. Instant connection. Instant like being us, goofing off, mm-hmm. you know. Um yeah. I, I think I mean I, I think you can attest to this probably more than either of us, but Pete felt very much like he was himself. Like he knew exactly who he was, exactly what his mission was here. And he just did it and enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of, he was one of those people who was just very comfortable in his Mm -hmm. own skin. Yeah, He knew who he was and just made no apologies for that. Exactly. And I think that's why we like connecting with him so much. Uh I mean, for me, like the, the moment, I heard him speaking and you know was at that course I was like he is amazing I want to do everything he does how can I eventually work in research with him um and then I thought to myself okay baby step so like when when the opportunity two years later came to do a zoom and then a, a podcast with him I was like this is crazy it's literally just stars aligning but yeah he definitely attracted some really interesting people huh? yeah for sure yeah so that that makes me eager to know like who else pete knew who else was in pete's cool circle oh, i know right there's a lot yeah first i have a question who keeps hitting the thumbs up not me um, my hands are under the table you know what i wonder if like because you're, you know when you're moving your hands I it's think like that's what she's it raising is. her hand yeah. yeah i think that's what it is yeah i think that's part of the zoom thingy but, oh ew, that's yeah. weird I'll keep my hands down. We're going to do constraint induced movement therapy now, bilateral, so she doesn't raise her hands. <laughs> no, sorry. No, I'm pretty sure it's Pete. Every time we say something cool about him, he we get a oh. thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, I like it. Yeah. That's cool. I dig it. That's pretty fun. What are some of the things that are like being planned to kind of honor his memory and legacy? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. maybe I'm thinking I don't know but what if you know we did like a little like convention or I don't know just like get together of like-minded cool therapists almost like a just a, a weekend retreat or something I don't know something to bring all those cool like-minded people together I feel like we need to start making some money <laughs> make that happen <laughs> You know, it'll be fun. It'll be a good time. I know. Like you get a, a tiny convention center, you know, it's not, nothing big. Nothing big. No. <laughs> you are such a much bigger thinker than me. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, see, the sky's the limit. That's, that's another thing that I loved about Pete so much is that it, it was like, it doesn't matter what you do, just get it moving. Just keep trying all the things until you find something that works. And keep doing that. And that that's another thing that I feel like gelled with us so much is we're so outside of the box. We're willing to like do whatever it takes to get things moving again. Yeah, we do the crazy And stuff. movement, one of my favorite quotes of his is movement is progress irrespective of function. The mm. function will come. Just get the movement going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I always loved when he said, don't make the perfect the enemy of the good. Correct. Yes. Yep, so that was that really important for me because I have a problem with perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, not so much anymore. I feel like I've learned from him. Yeah, absolutely. What I really enjoyed about him during our podcast was that he just he just sat back and watched sometimes. He was the, the silent observer. He just <laughs> listened. But you know, there's a difference between listeners and listeners. And he, he got it. I mean, he was in it. He was listening. So I feel like... Yeah, you would see him kind of like sit back yep, sometimes yep. and just kind of he was observe what's out. happening. He was just... Uh-huh. You could see the the car, the, the wheels and listening head with intent. Yes, and that's such a big one. I feel like that's definitely um, something I've learned from him, or or remind myself listening with intent mm-hmm. instead of just listening to sound, blurting out yeah. the first thing that comes to mind, like I do. Just yeah. <laughs> no, I still do that. <laughs> I'm really glad you said that because. That's one of the things that at some point I wanted to talk about, and I'll just talk about it now. I felt like, you know how, let's go back. Let's go back to how you said you felt like you've known him. Mm-hmm. So that that was kind of how I felt too. He's that kind of person that you just feel yeah. like you've known your whole life. And so it it was helpful for starting a podcast doing this thing with this person that you don't really know, but you feel like, you know, so it's okay. There were times though, when I noticed he would do that, he would sit back in his chair posture and it was almost like he was listening with that intent, but also proud that like, like the the dots are connecting Mm -hmm. and you get what he gets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you nailed it. That's that's exactly how I, like, I felt during the first podcast where mm-hmm. I kept looking at the screen and I just saw him kind of leaning back a little bit in his chair mm-hmm. and he settling in into the leather of his chair <laughs> and you knew mm-hmm. it, was, it just clicked. Just like, yep, he understands what I'm saying, even though it doesn't make sense, but he gets it and I get him or mm-hmm. we get him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just so cool. Yeah. And like, he's letting you take the reins too. Like I got that vibe. Like, you know, when he's just sitting back, he's like, yeah, you, you have this. Go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's, there's a level of um, encouragement and all of that. Yes. And yes. trust. And trust. Exactly. Oh, definitely. Like there was yes. trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. I wouldn't let anybody like run loose like that. No, I was just thinking like, there's so many like times I'm like, oh, I wonder, like, I would love to ask you that question, you know, like, oh when that happens yeah i know i feel like we were supposed to have a few more times of that but i guess not and what are we what are we to do now because we have to do something with this legacy Mm -hmm. oh i think we are what'd you say something big oh i thought you said son of a bitch I mean, that's, that's definitely appropriate too, you know, that's, that's like, give me a thumbs up again. <laughs> I know. Come on, Pete, where are you? <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, subtle bitch. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. I have to put parental advisory on this one. Yeah, no. like, <laughs> She said it, not me. No, I didn't. <laughs> They're fighting like children. 
as per usual always keeps things interesting yeah put the fun back in function yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's um, yeah that's a gen- i feel like that's a general neural one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just i'm looking yeah. at my my Your little notes. margin notes i love i love this so much this one in particular yeah i feel no, like pete also was an honorary ot practitioner oh for sure because like that's it's, it's almost like he had more of an ot mind than a pt mm-hmm. mind mindset i should say my Mm-hmm. definitely there was one class or another class i took with a speech therapist and she's like you know what your brain doesn't know the difference recovery is recovery <laughs> right i know we spend <laughs> all this time day. arguing well that's an <laughs> occupational therapy thing yeah no pt should be doing that right maybe we all should be doing that right right exactly yeah. Yeah. i love that so much i was like you know what that's really true yeah 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 the brain doesn't know the difference mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> just do do all the things that work just keep keep trying keep going mm-hmm. so do you remember how you learned of pete me i learned of pete from a summit course so he was offering the class was specifically called neuroplasticity and neurological disorders presented by peter levine ra ba pta aas and I was like, that sounds interesting. And it was in Miami or it was in Kendall, actually. And I was like, I have family there. Perfect. So okay. I went, down, went down to that course and that's how I met him. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Mm. Really good history. I keep trying to figure out how I ended up with his book. I don't know. Like, Wait, I don't what do you mean? So that's how I met him through his book. Oh. Did somebody give it to you? One of your no. clients? No. Interesting. No, it I just... must have found it on Amazon or something. Who mm-hmm. knows? I just I've I've used it for so long. But I just don't remember how I came to learn mm-hmm. of it. And yeah, like I just one day was so sick of not being able to move forward because of my own head with the stuff that I wanted to do. So I just thought, well, just email him. <laughs> I really didn't think he'd email me back. And he did. And he what did, did he say? yeah. He, he was like, well, I've got some OTs I can ask. I'll get back to you. <laughs> and then whoever he asked was not interested in oh. helping me in any way. I really just, my question was really more about HIPAA and how mm-hmm. to deliver my my content, but. I said, that's okay, because I had a lot of OT input anyway. So I just kind of let it go. And then a couple days later, I had a thought about just maybe circumventing the practitioners. And maybe I should just deliver this to survivors. So I emailed Mm. that to him. And he said, maybe we should have a Zoom call. I know. So we had a Zoom call. (laughs) I know. And then I thought he asked me to do a podcast and I wasn't sure. It's uh-huh. so funny because I, it was I subtle. got off that call and I thought, was he really asking me to do that? Or did he, you know, like, was he just kidding? Like, oh, we should do lunch. Oh, we should do a podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he sent me a couple of talks that he had done and I, I listened to them and I liked them. And then he asked again. So, do you want to do a podcast? 
<laughs> Not really. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I can. Why? You guys are so well suited together. I'm so glad you said yes. I, mean, I, am, let me not I am too. Yeah. yeah, I am too. It was like that thing, you know, where you're pushed so far out of your comfort zone, but you oh, cannot yeah. say no because it is a once in a lifetime opportunity. That's funny because that's exactly how I felt when you called me. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you remember when you called me? When Deb called you? Tell me that story. When I called you and oh told told Mm -hmm. me pete wasn't well yeah yeah Yeah. so yeah i felt like that i was like oh wow that what an honor to be asked to Mm -hmm. carry on the podcast and work Mm -hmm. on it Mm -hmm. but wow can i even step up to it yeah yeah so we should probably explain this Mm -hmm. so i mean i think it's a nice thing to share yeah when when pete and i met for him to tell me what was going on with him, you know, quick thinking, what do we do? Like I asked him, do you want the podcast to continue on? Yes, no doubt there. And he said that we needed a pinch hitter, maybe Doro and Lynette. And uh, I was like, okay, I'll ask. Oh man, I feel Mm -hmm. like now we have to. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you said yes. Well, it's interesting because he didn't mention anyone else. Yeah. Well, yeah, because we said yes right away. So he knew we were going to say yes. He had us wrapped. I know, right? To carry carry on the podcast, to carry on the legacy. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know about the legacy. I mean, I've got a little growing to do, but I mean, somebody's got to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that we need to um, push as hard as he pushed. Mm-hmm. I understand now why, what the mad dash was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't at the time, but I went with it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, his desire was always to empower the people, right? And mm-hmm. to get as much content. As, yeah. Or, you know, with the book and with the podcast. Mm-hmm. To yeah, educate survivors themselves. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. with with all that's you know that he put out there with the book and the podcast what do you think is left that he wanted still to share well that is a really good question because i didn't get to ask him that but you know we wow i just stuttered um (laughs) that was one of the things that we talked about before we actually got started with the podcast he was concerned that there wouldn't be enough content Mm-hmm. And so far, we keep having content. More content. And I feel like it will continue on as we learn. As That's te- more things. Yes, technology continues to evolve, to progress, mm-hmm. and we learn more about the brain. I still feel like we know nothing about the brain compared to where we will be in 10, 15 years. That's um, so I feel like there will be content out there that needs to be shared with survivors, family members, medical professionals. Um, I think beyond content, because yeah. the, the big problem still remains that practitioners are not doing what the research says works. And right. people, people struggle. And I shouldn't say all practice, not all practitioners, many are, you right. are. 
and many are, but um, not enough are. And I would say that's very fair, yeah. Yeah, and people still need help with follow through. You know, uh-huh. it's a big deal, and I think that that's where the legacy continues. Like because even Dr. Teasel said it takes like what 20, 25 years for this stuff to, to be used. Maybe his legacy is through this podcast and through our efforts that it happens. Sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Get it out there, get it in people's hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's very true. And it's such a shame too, when the knowledge is out there, it's just not in practice not applied mm-hmm. right yeah and it does but, absolutely right research is always be, 20 years behind but it would be so easy to apply mm-hmm. it's not hard There's well, just so many, well in yes, our setting that's the it's thing easy it's to the apply. settings yes yeah. it's the settings it's the models um, for practice the models correct that limit the delivery big time yeah, yeah. it certainly seems like some of those models are being exposed for the truth of what they are, which is very uncomfortable for some people, but that's when change can occur. Correct. It's necessary. Mm -hmm. It's it's not really anything to be afraid of. No, we just have a new client that flew in to see us for a three week intensives and he has been through um, all the big rehab hospitals in the United, or many of the big rehab hospitals in the United States. And he had a stroke six years ago and his wife told us that not once has a therapist been hands-on with them in their recovery. At the level that we were. Yeah. At the level, yeah. They, he, he would be set up on a machine or a robotic device or whatever. Um, and then, okay, now pump out reps, but there was no foundational hands-on type treatment treatment whatsoever no weight bearing no sensory re-education no attention more attention to the affected side none of that or functional task practice with the affected extremity Mm -hmm. was all compensatory based yeah they taught him everything with the left the right side is affected so it was like okay this is how you tie your shoes one-handed this is how you pull up your pants one-handed you're good to go nobody ever said let's look at the right side and see you know we'll do a hand over hand it's not gonna be pretty you gotta spill stuff but who cares so yeah they're already thinking about coming back this year but it was just it just showed me again that it's so sad what's happening out there um in rehab and stroke rehab particularly there's just the capacity to gain function is out there it's just not as it's not readily available to clients yeah it's really limited survivors yeah Yeah. or just so maybe that's our mission i think it is we'll feel it out well you know Mm -hmm. i feel like when we align ourselves with what's supposed to be happening things kind of just fall into place yeah always definitely 100 percent. it's it's been happening with the podcast since yeah i mean i just can't even it's so undeniable interestingly i feel like i am in some strange not a time warp but i just feel like i'm in a very interesting place in my life right now 
it's almost like I have one foot in two different worlds mm. and uh, learning to be okay with it and not pushing to get out of the one before it's time. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just got to let it flow and let it happen. And here I am seeing all of these possibilities. I'm making possibilities right now. It's like things are happening in this realm of occupational therapy, like where people live in the community. And um, it, there's so much changing right now. Like sometimes I have these thoughts, this is not unfolding fast enough, just throw mm -hmm. in the towel. But that's probably my own insecurity with mm -hmm. the, the next phase of expansion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's scary out there. It is it's scary. scary out there outside of my, you know, outside of your comfort zone. It is. But that's where all the cool things happen. Yeah, I know. Keep, keep, keep doing what you're doing. I feel like, I mean, we both have been in that. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. you know, when I started the business, there was times where I didn't have a whole lot of clients and I asked myself, like, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. I gave up a cushy job, a yeah. steady paycheck. But it's just, and then all of a sudden it just came mm -hmm. one after another and it just got bigger and bigger. And it made the decision for me. I didn't even have to, you know, make that decision to jump ship or, or step step out. It was just there. Yeah, I know that. It'll come. Really. It'll come. Yeah. And the thing is, at the college, with this campus-based fieldwork thing that I'm doing, I'm, I'm literally building programs. That's what mm. I do. And it's like, it's blossoming so fast mm -hmm. right now the whole co we've got entire the whole college is bought into it so oh, nice. now it's yeah so it's like right and, and exactly. it's a gift it's yeah. leading you up there yep. exactly. trust the process exactly oh, that's exactly what i tell the students i make their little stones that say trust the process <laughs> i give them that's to so them cute. yeah <laughs> yeah it's a different story when you're in the process though like, yeah. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. very true you're like wait what Hey, what would Pete say about all this? Mm. Maybe that's our thing. What would Pete say instead of what, what would Jesus do? <laughs> what would Pete say? <laughs> yeah, we can use that. We should put that up. Bracelets. What would Pete say? What would Pete say? say? Mm. Would Pete say? Hey, I can tell you what he would say. Yeah. What would he say? First, save the penumbra. Uh -huh. <laughs> Number two, 1,200 more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just three. get started. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that was a nice yeah. warm-up <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> nice yeah, warm-up nice warm <laughs> yeah. i know so mm -hmm. i remember he was telling a story about how he got all these tens machines just to like try them out and that was his whole thing is like just try them out but like one of his sons got into them i think he said and they were like trying them on each other <laughs> and his <laughs> His whole point was that you can't really hurt yourself that much, you know, like obviously use it with caution and your clinical judgment, but you, you know, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of the tens and the Easton. But well, I've been afraid of those machines. Yeah, me too. Before I did, mm -hmm. I didn't really, I mean, I had been in practice for like three, three years, maybe four before I came here and really got to, you know, get my hands on them and really utilize them. Mm -hmm to their well, full potential or feel well, comfortable with them. Yeah, because you, you, we as practitioners need repetition. 
using Ex this stuff. You can't use it and then expect six months later to be able to whip it out and know what you're doing. It's like you're relearning all over again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why bother? We'll do something else. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. I remember the the practice I was at before, the ultrasound and Easton machine literally had collected a dust. layer of dust. Like Ugh. no one touched it. It's so sad. I know. I know. Yeah. It's yeah. I remember the same for me in my in the hmm. setting where I was at, which was a hospital-based outpatient setting. That's crazy. And I read about using Easton fresh out of school, so I wanted to learn. Yeah. It. And it was really hard to find anybody that could explain anything that to felt me. felt safe enough. Yeah. Where to mm -hmm. put it for a sublux shoulder? Mm. What settings and why? And my big thing is why. Mm -hmm. But why those settings? Explain it to me. Mm -hmm. Okay, I understand, but why? <laughs> but why? You know, like a kid, mm -hmm. like a three year old. Yeah. And yeah, there was nobody there that could provide that education and guidance um, on using those techniques you know evidence-based treatment mm -hmm. gosh i know one one stim unit on the floor was it i worked for a company that had they had a company that they contracted with for all of those machines and we would get training once a month on things mm -hmm. oh cool and at the time when I had started working there, it was the perfect place to work because there were no, there were no productivity requirements. There was just oh whatever people goodness. needed. It was, oh my, it was a dream. And so I felt, no, I'm saying at that time, like <laughs> what a dream it must've been for her to be in a traditional setting with no productivity. That's unheard of these days. Anyways, I'm sorry. It, it is. And it's yeah. gone. It's gone now. I didn't work there that long before it started to change because the owner, see, it's when you've got these private businesses where the owners get it and they let it be that and somehow they still make money. But when they're ready to retire, nobody seems to want to take it over. But yeah. during that time, I felt so supported and I was, I was given the time and the space to learn that stuff. But, you know, you got your book out and you got the other person there going, okay, I remember this and I remember that. So let's do this and let's do that. But it takes time. Yeah, absolutely. And nobody seems to want to <clears throat> give practitioners the time to learn this stuff. And to really hone their craft mm -hmm. into it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the time to breathe between clients, you know. Yeah, like maybe even just go to the bathroom. Oh, you want to work and go to the bathroom? That's a little much. I know. That's a little much. You're going to have to talk out for that one. Listen, you're the one who told me to dream big. <laughs> fair point, fair point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think about that too. Like, what if you could design, like, the ideal recovery, like, facility? And you have things like gardening and like cooking mm -hmm. and like therapists that were actually allowed to be therapists without productivity requirements. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? Let's dream. Let's keep going with that one. Yeah, yeah. It would be fun to have a place where people could stay over. So, in, so the person yeah. who comes for your three-week intensive, they don't have to stay in a hotel. 
they can stay in your facility. Mm-hmm. And they just come out of there. They go to their room when they need a rest, take their little nap, come back out and find something that will get those reps in in the motion that they want. Just interesting. Yeah. To them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh, you guys are just <laughs> okay. And then this one is kind of far fetched, but um, you know, like if they have to do any kind of uh, repetitive physical activity, like let's say maybe ride a bike just to get their cardio up, to get that BDNF flowing in their brain, then the, maybe that generates some electricity for the building. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Oh, a water mill. Yeah. yeah. No, a beautiful just, water mill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aquatic therapy. Oh, that yeah. would actually be pretty cool. Yeah, we can something that. like that. Where is it? What are you looking for? I have a Pinterest board. Called? Like the big NeuroHub clinic thing. <laughs> you know. NeuroHub big ideas. NeuroHub big. Yeah, look. Oh, yeah. So this is it where it's, oh, hold on. Where is it? All in one. Ooh. Yeah. What is that? Move that up a little bit. Oh, well, don't say the name. I just have a picture of it. (laughs) Well, don't worry. It's not going on the podcast. I can bleep that out. I know how to do bleeps now too. Oh, yes. Yeah, I learned how to bleep. Yes. I mean, I'll have to read the directions again, but I know how I can know what I can do. Yeah, so why does it take so long to release an episode? Because I have to keep rereading the directions. <laughs> oh, has it gotten easier? Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, there you go. It's oh, yeah. Just yeah. got to queue it up, you know, on the time code. And then, yeah. Oh, okay. do you know how to do this? I mean, it's a time code. I, oh, mm-hmm. never mind. Wait a minute. You know I how to do it- I know. Uh-huh. We're going to explain. I, mean, I was in film school, so it can't be that hard to um, edit some audio. I edited tons of audio before, so that can't be. And, and we're only learning about this now. <laughs> I know. I'm a little disgusted right now. <laughs> <laughs> she said, how dare you be holding out on this information? You just mark it on your timeline where you have the little bleep. You make a slice. You take it out. You blend it back. You fade it back in. Bam, bam, bam. Oh, my goodness. Why is there a picture of a left foot accelerator on your in your book? I don't remember. I didn't take a margin note on that. But you drew it? No, it's 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 like a foot on an accelerator. Active passive. I think he was trying to explain like active. You you do it and passive it brings you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like how he has use it and loose it. Use the spastic Ooh. muscles, lose the spasticity. Which is funny because that was one of the principles in school. And even afterwards in rehab, that was a big no-no. It's like, oh, don't you squeeze the ball. I remember. Don't putty, big no-no. Until I learned later on that you use it more, you have greater cortical representation in the brain just finish each other's sandwich again i just um, couldn't help it you weren't saying it fast enough porn okay i can't speak that fast sometimes. but yeah and i remember yes. cortical yeah. representation uh-huh. correct yeah and then with the cortical representation you have more control over that area correct and then the specificity decreases, decreases. yes and i remember and i came you know that was one of the things i had i had looked up and i was like can i do this can i please do this and she's like Whoa. 
if you stretch them very, very much after, if you promise to work on the extensors, because, you know, she was a little bit afraid that I would over, you know, work the flexors and then get somebody stuck in inflection. And, but yeah. Well, I guess that maybe the reason I was afraid to say yes to doing the podcast with Pete was because I didn't know as much as he knew. Well, mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't know mm -hmm. what he knew. Just a treasure he was a, trope, yeah. Yeah. And he was a researcher and I was a practitioner. I mean, I worked. But I was one of those people that thought, don't give them the squeezy ball. And I learned that during an episode that we did. And I'm okay. Like it was okay to learn something in front of the whole world. I feel like that's a lot of what holds practitioners back is our fear. Agreed. The fear of not knowing mm -hmm. and admitting well, to it. The fear of making a mistake. Mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fear of looking silly. Yeah. All of this stuff, nothing happens. Right. I mean, it, so, yes, nothing bad happens. Something good happens. Yeah, when you learn something. You learn something and you know what to do and you just do it differently going forward. Right. I would agree. I feel like that's not just an issue in therapy. I think that's a big issue in like a lot of medical fields is that people are afraid to look silly mm -hmm. or like they don't know something. So they just kind of continue on assuming that they do. Yeah, it works this way. Why change it? Mm -hmm. If it ain't broken, don't yeah. try to fix it type right. mentality. Except for but it doesn't work. Know. Except yeah. for it doesn't work. A lot of it the things that we do don't it work. Doesn't. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so what happened with the squeezy ball thing on the uh, podcast? Well, he was explaining that concept. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, <laughs> I was that person. <laughs> You're like, those therapists, they know nothing. <laughs> like, and, okay. And, what say? <laughs> and, then, and uh, there was. Um, I have to go back was, and listen to the episode. I know. What was the other? So there was another time we were talking about had to do with spasticity, splinting, all the stuff. And I was like, this is not anything that I ever heard before. Like in my <laughs> head, I'm trying to like yeah. process it. He's talking about it. What do I even say? I'm thinking about it. I'm learning something new. Oh my God, where do I begin? So the second time this came up, I had to ask again. And he's like, Deb, I know you want to fight about this. I'm like, I don't want to fight about it. <laughs> I just want to understand it. <laughs> then I was just like, I'm pretty sure if I've been working this many years and I'm still at a loss, I'm pretty sure there are many other people who are still at a loss. So let's just talk about it, you know? Mm -hmm. That's so funny. It's so true. That's what I mean. Like, there just needs to be more opportunities to discuss these kinds of ideas and ask these questions in that spirit that he had where there's like there's no wrong you know questions just there's ask no them. judgment just be curious yes yeah there's no judgment it's like a neuro learning sandbox mm -hmm. you know just bring your ideas and your enthusiasm mm -hmm. exactly yeah. mm -hmm. doros doing the Pete thing. She, she's doing the Pete thing. <laughs> so she, Doro's leaning back in her chair. I'm, she's I'm channeling she's pondering. Right uh -huh. Thank you. What, what are you pondering there? Just listening. Just listening. Mm -hmm. 
I'm just looking for any more gems. Oh, the playing of the music. That was another good thing. I mean, I feel like that was something I had done, but it felt very like reinforced and vindicated for doing so is playing music that people love during therapy, during their treatments. Oh, just playing it in the background. Yeah, just playing in the background. Mm -hmm. It'll motivate them. It'll put them in a good mood, less depressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right now we have a lot of Tom Petty and no, no, not Tom. Yeah, Neil Young. There's Tom Petty, Simon, Neil oh, Young, Lewis? Simon and Garfunkel. Simon yeah. and Garfunkel, a lot of seventies, right? Yeah, it'll be fun when I'm ever in rehab. It'll be a lot of Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and. <laughs> Play with the classics. The Busta Rhymes. Play some Busta Rhymes. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh, that's so funny. Mm -hmm. good, old, good old Dr. Dre. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, it will be interesting when our when our generation right. gets older. Like, what will be the classics then? Right. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should just do uh, some words of wisdom. Words of wisdom? Yeah. From Pete? Well... In general? Just in don't general. Be don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid. Hmm. Don't be afraid. What was your biggest fear? Dora, what was your biggest fear when starting your clinic? Failure. Hmm. To not be recognized as a clinician. Oh, that's like almost the imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, big a, time. that's such a big one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not being good enough. That's another spend, big one. Yeah, have people spend money and you're you can't help them or you're you don't live up to their expectations. That was definitely one of my biggest fears initially. How did you yeah. uh, move around that? Good question. I never thought about it. <laughs> I really never did. Um, it just kind of went away. Over time? Yeah, over time. Yeah. It just became less and less and less. And then you I just like, kind of ignored it. I okay. don't know if I ignored it or it just became more comfortable with who I was as a therapist. Mm -hmm. I started learning the okay, I'm gonna say what I want to say. If you don't like it, you don't have to listen. Like you were like I felt confident. Of, yeah, yeah. yeah. I felt more confident who I was as a person, as a treating clinician. Um, yeah. And I wasn't afraid to look like an idiot. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things about working here is just feeling like I could be myself and ask questions and like think outside the box and just like that freedom to like just be the curious clinician, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, if you but, don't have that, sorry, cough drop. If you don't have that curiosity, I mean, how do you even grow? Yeah. Do you think that's probably what got Pete into research is just the curious soul that he was? I don't know. <laughs> I keep asking you all the questions. I don't know. I, I feel like it's something that he talked about <clears throat> at some point or if it was just a job. Mm. I know he, I remember he told a story when he was working with Dr. Steve Page and, and Steve wanted, had that question about um, like the motor control mm -hmm. all that motor learning stuff that he that was his research and he t shot him down told him no and then steve got the grant and pete was mm -hmm. like oh well, okay let's go <laughs> let's do it <laughs> <laughs> oh 
but he i mean he openly admitted on the podcast that he thought something was a bad idea that ended up tur- turning into really important re- work mm-hmm. yeah and not being afraid to admit that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so i think we all we all have our own ideas we, we all get can get stuck mm-hmm. in our own thinking and that's why i think it's really important to have your people that you can talk about stuff with and and have people that will tell you the truth mm-hmm. because and being able to receive that and consider it and see where to go otherwise you're just going to stay stuck in that same old hamster wheel type of thing mm-hmm. yeah exactly you need somebody that you feel comfortable with that will be honest with you exactly mm-hmm. like you said mm-hmm. yeah take that feedback and say hmm. Alrighty then. Okay. What shall we do now? Mm-hmm. Well, we're not throwing all of it in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's got to be some therapeutic principles that stay the same. Yeah. Jeez, it can be so so. Uh, you know, we have a student with us right now, and we were talking about that as well. How sometimes there's such an abundance of information, and some of it seems counterintuitive or, or even contradictory. It's like they cannot both be correct at the same time. Um, so it can be a lot of information to navigate. Mm-hmm. Oh, what there's this really good what's her quote? What does she always say? There there are many, oh, what is it? Yes, that one. Yeah, I know. I know. There's more than one way to do so. There's more than one way. More than one good something. way to do something, something like that. We should text her. I'm completely in the dark folks <laughs> <laughs> so basically the idea is that there's more than one way to do a good job at something well uh, she says it way better than we do but we'll who, get the quote who is she one of our students oh okay we have a student that's awesome yeah, I love students. Student. yeah I was very hesitant to take on students I was like wait she's a what I said I was very hesitant to want to take on students. I was like, that sounds scary. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be responsible for somebody else. What if they ask too many questions? But I and actually, I don't know the answers. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I've loved it. I've Did loved you say she's they... a PT student? No, she's a T-O-T. P-A- yeah, a PhD OT. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think she's getting her doc- doctorate. D-O-T. Oh, DOT. Yeah, DOT. Oh, okay. So that yeah. post, mm-hmm. post-professional doctorate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you're asking her how old mm-hmm. the quote is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's good. It's, it is a good one. There's more than one right way to look at something wrong. Something mm, like that. No, no that's not it. There's more than one right. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll just, there's, we'll like, just there's more her. than one right way. There's, okay, hold on. There's no perfect way, several right ways, and a few wrong ways. Oh. Yes. You want to say that again? Sure. There's no perfect way, several right ways, and a few wrong ways. Yeah. That's perfect. Isn't that good? Yes. I think that's a, a good guiding principle for, for clinicians. I think like, so, too. Especially in neuro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, definitely figure out what the bad ones are and don't do those. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And but then, then you have so much room for the good stuff. Exactly. You just need to explore. Exactly. And that's where the don't be afraid came in or from. Um, you know, just explore. Mm-hmm. Don't let anything hold you back. Yeah. Just go with your gut. Mm-hmm. It's all for the greater good. You know, if it doesn't work, so be it. I feel like 
<laughs> I say this to my clients all the time. Can I try something on you? <laughs> and then you they say, say it just like that. Yeah. Too. Do you rehearse that? That no. was very weird. <laughs> yeah. And then they go, sure. And then I say, well, you know what it means when I ask you if I can try something, right? And they always say, no, what does it mean? And then I tell them, it's like, well, if I said, I want to try something, I can't guarantee that it's going to work. It may work. It may not. Are you okay with it? And usually it's like, go for it. Yeah. And that's how we find out what happens. Mm -hmm. But that's my big go-to. <laughs> it's so funny. You really do say that a lot. That's very funny. It's very true. I'm just going to qualify this and say that I know this is within clinical reasoning. And I just, because some people, oh. you know, some people who listen, they may take that and think that that means you can just do anything. No. You have no, to no, have... No, solid Correct. clinical reasoning oh, yes. behind okay. your reasons for wanting just, to try just, something. Just edit all that out. Take it out. So yes. nobody can misinterpret. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want anybody to misinterpret. No, I don't do anything crazy. Like um, just maybe it's something outside the box that they haven't done before. For example, like self-feeding, which was completely within the norm, but he hadn't done it at all. Uh, one of our clients with the right in hand. Six years. In six years. That man, so, you, or that person you were yes, talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so, so of course like, can, we want to try, try it. Are you open with it? Are you okay? Of course, that's what the normal, normal boundaries. But you know, they it wasn't something that they had necessarily come here trying to do. They just wanted to move more. Well, you know, this is a highly motivating way for the brain to uh, do what it needs to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that brain wants that food. So sure does. So does the belly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I <laughs> um, so yeah, no, no, nothing crazy outside of the box. But yeah, no. Within, yeah, we'll have to qualify that. Like you said, everything within the the evidence based scope with good yes. clinical judgment. Please put a big fat disclaimer <laughs> I will. in front of it and after it, just to make sure. <laughs> but Attention. then again, so what if I sound like an idiot? <laughs> well, I. I yeah, and this is a, the, this is the thing with putting yourself out there. Like people can yeah. take stuff out of context. Absolutely. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a reason for these types of conversations, mm -hmm. so that we can keep expanding the box, so that we can open the lids, we can take the sides off, we can do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. But information and thoughts can't be misconstrued. Or we right. will all get in trouble. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they told me if I would stand, they told me to try something. I stood on my head. No, that's not what we said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, it's so funny too, because we, we were talking about this earlier, how like as therapists, we're so used to thinking within our scope, you know, like that when we say outside the box, we mean outside the box within that framework. What were we talking about? Oh, we were reading, we were looking over a brochure for one of our new programs oh, yes. for the pediatric program. Uh, we're doing a pediatric CIMT program Ooh. and we're looking it over and everything looks great to us. Mm -hmm. And then we sent it over to a few different people to get feedback. And there was that a parent that are not therapists. Yeah. And there was a parent who says, well, what are the benefits? <laughs> what, are the, <laughs> what do I get out of it? You, you told me what it is. You told me how it works and how long it will take. But you didn't tell me what, what, it, what it's going to do. And I was, we're like, yeah. we're so in the material that right. 
when we read it, it makes perfect sense to us, but mm -hmm. we can't read it through the eyes of somebody that's not a clinician. Yeah, sometimes it's good to get that outside feedback, you know, the outside perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's easy to get that clinician brain, mm -hmm. let that take control and um, completely miss the point of mm -hmm. why somebody would want your services. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's why I think it's good even to collaborate, not just amongst therapists, but people kind of outside of your field, maybe things you wouldn't have thought of it that could work within your framework. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, Deb, I think I'm giving you a lot of work and I feel a little bad about it. Why? You know, because <laughs> we're just, you know, as per usual, everywhere, there's going to be a lot of editing. It's okay. Yeah. That's all okay. right. I love this good stuff. I'm going to stop recording now. Okay. You sure? There still might be nuggets of wisdom. There might be more nuggets. <laughs> and then I tell them, it's like, well, if I said, I want to try something, I can't guarantee that it's going to work. It may work. It may not. Are you okay with it? And usually it's like, go for it. Yeah. And that's how we find out what happens. Mm -hmm. But that's my big go-to. <laughs> it's so funny. You really do say that a lot. That's very funny. It's very true. I'm just going to qualify this and say that I know this is within clinical reasoning. And I just, because some people, oh. you know, some people who listen, they may take that and think that that means you can just do anything. No. You have no, to no, have no. solid clinical reasoning oh, yes. behind okay your reasons for wanting just, to try just, something. Just edit all that out. Take it out. So yes. nobody can misinterpret. <laughs> no, I don't want anybody to misinterpret. No, I don't do anything crazy like um just maybe it's something outside the box that they haven't done before. For example, like self-feeding, which was completely within the norm, but he hadn't done it at all. Uh, one of our clients with the right in hand. Six years. In six years. That man you, or that person you were yes, talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so, so of course like, can, we want to we try, try it? it. Are you open with it? Are you okay? Of course, that's within normal, normal boundaries. But you know, they, it wasn't something that they had necessarily come here trying to do. They just wanted to move more. Well, you know, this is a highly motivating way for the brain to uh, do what it needs to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that brain wants that food. So sure does. So does the belly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think. Um, so yeah, no, no, nothing crazy outside of the box. But. Yeah, no within yeah we'll have to qualify that like you said everything within the the evidence-based scope with good yes. clinical judgment please put a big fat disclaimer <laughs> I will. in front of it and after it just to make sure <laughs> but Attention. then again so what if i sound like an idiot <laughs> well i i yeah, and this is a, the, this is the thing with putting yourself out there. Like people can yeah. take stuff out of context. Absolutely. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a reason for these types of conversations, mm -hmm. so that we can keep expanding the box, so that we can open the lids, we can take the sides off, we can do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. But information and thoughts can't be misconstrued. Or we will right. all get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They told Super me if I would stand, they told me to try something. I stood on my head. No, that's not what we said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No. Yeah. You know, it's so funny too, because we, we were talking about this earlier, how like as therapists, we're so used to thinking within our scope, you know, like that when we say outside the box, we mean outside the box within that framework. What were we talking about? 
Oh, we were reading, we were looking over a brochure for one of our new programs oh, yes. for the pediatric program. Uh, we're doing a pediatric CIMT program Ooh. and we're looking it over and everything looks great to us. Mm -hmm. And then we sent it over to a few different people to get feedback. And there was that a parent that are not therapists. Yeah. And there was a parent who says, well, what are the benefits? <laughs> what, are the, <laughs> what do I get out of it? You, you told me what it is. You told me how it works and how long it will take. But you didn't tell me what, what, it, what it's going to do. And I was, we're like, yeah. we're so in the material that right. when we read it, it makes perfect sense to us. But mm -hmm. we can't read it through the eyes of somebody that's not a clinician. Yeah, sometimes it's good to get that outside feedback, you know, the outside perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's easy to get that clinician brain, mm -hmm. let that take control and um, completely miss the point of mm -hmm. why somebody would want your services. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's why I think it's good even to collaborate, not just amongst therapists, but people kind of outside of your field, maybe things you wouldn't have thought of it that could work within your framework. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm hmm you know i think deb i think i'm giving you a lot of work and i feel a little bad about it why you know because we're, we're just you know as per usual everywhere there's going to be a lot of editing it's okay yeah that's all okay. right i love this good stuff i'm going to stop recording now okay you sure there still might be nuggets of wisdom there might be more nuggets <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We appreciate your support and would love to hear from you. Ask us questions and share your thoughts by email at nogginsandneurons at gmail.com. That's noggins, the word and, spelled out, neurons at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with others you think will benefit. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We'll catch you next time on Noggins and Neurons, Stroke and TBI Recovery Simplified.